Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you care about having the plot spoiled for you, just be aware there might be spoilers. But I also recommend that you don't watch this film, so, you know, you should probably listen either way. the most wonderful time of the year the time when schnorgest is over yes the time when i don't have to ever (laughs) ever 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 watch a rob schneider movie again willingly at least (laughs) that makes it sound like i've got big plans but no i never want to do this again (laughs) you haven't enjoyed the schnorgest board Mm, no not really Uh, so yeah it was presented to us as a very very fancy restaurant experience and it's been the exact opposite and it's like maybe there are one or two bites here and there where you got some decent flavor but mostly it's been yeah nasty it's been truly awful yeah and the last course i think it's safe to say was the worst one yeah this was (laughs) it really ended on a low this was this was not good a juice bigger low a juice, I just thought of a that. Juice bigger low. That's really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> a low rider. So, have you got anything you wish to talk about before we get started? On uh, not really. I think I think we should get stuck in because genuinely, this is not just one of the worst films we've talked about on this show. Two hundred and fifty plus episodes, potentially the worst. This is one of the worst films I have ever seen in my life. Is that would you would you agree? I'd agree. Did you feel the same way? I'd agree. It's it's vaguely more interesting than Juice Bigelow Male Gigolo, but is multiple times worse. Which for the for the ending of the Schnorgest board is of course exactly appropriate. Because <laughs> at the end of this we're gonna need to reflect on what we learned through this month. But like yeah, just just it's just terrible, isn't it? Just absolutely <laughs> awful. It should not exist. It absolutely should not exist, but somehow it does. I'm sorry. Have to reflect on on what we've learned this month. What have we learned this month, Paddy? I think we've learned that Rob Schneider's terrible, and so are all his films, <laughs> which we knew already. So it's just that confirmation, confirming that, which is which is important to do, you know. Yeah. Um. This is a terrible movie. Do we need to go over? I suppose the plot is convoluted enough for it to actually warrant talking about. I suppose it is, yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's a, it sort of comes together, I guess, at the end in as much as there is a plot. But yeah, it's one of those things where there is a plot, but the pacing is so weird that it feels like there isn't a plot, even though it is actually buried in there underneath all the shit gags. Yeah, so this is a murder mystery, in a way. It's a serial killer who done it. Yeah. It's it's Agatha Christie, basically, for, for <laughs> Sh- the millennial Sh- generation. <laughs> As it were. Shagatha um, Christie. That's what they should have called it. He is a... Juice Bigelow too. Shagatha Christie. A... I'm sure the, the famously litigious estate of Agatha Christie would definitely have allowed they that They would one. 100% have allowed it. 
I mean, who wouldn't want to combine uh, Juice Bigelow with with, and then there were none. I mean, I would that, certainly that. like to put him on an island and slowly murder all of his associates <laughs> and leave him to last. Yeah, you, you wouldn't complain if Rob Schneider was in Murder of the Orient Express and he was the one who got <laughs> murdered. Or if he was just murdered. If loads of other actors got together and just like all stabbed him at once. Yeah. yeah I mean, how does that not happen? I don't know. Hollywood has a lot to answer for. <laughs> certainly does. Can you imagine Rob Schneider as Poirot? That'd be the worst. I mean, Kenneth Branagh's <laughs> performance is totally ridiculous. Have you seen any of I, them? I, no, I haven't seen them. I, I, the Murder on the Orient Express, is that, it's enjoyable. It might even be a shit piece. We could perhaps talk about it at some point. It's quite in, it's enjoyable, but totally ridiculous. I, um, I really like And Then There Were None, but to be perfectly honest, the rest of the Agatha Christie output I find tiresome in the same way that I find Sherlock Holmes tiresome. There's something yeah. horrendously cruel about And Then There Were None, which I think is spectacular. It's truly a nihilistic murder mystery, which obviously is my go-to thing. Nihilism and murder. That's your jam. I mean, that that's just asking for me to enjoy it. But um, yeah, apart from that, I do find them a little bit too twee uh, in general. Um, I prefer my yes, murder I would agree mysteries with that. to be the post um post world war 2 era when you get into things like the big sleep where it gets a little bit more noir you like it dark i like i like it dark i like my humor dark i like my stories dark i like rob schneider shut in a dark place never to be seen again garth Marenghi's dark place <laughs> rob schneider's so bad that he would even ruin garth Marenghi's dark place if he was in it he could ruin anything just by being there and i think that's the thing that we've had confirmed as well not that there was any way that you could do juice bigelow european gigolo and make it good but no but i would say at least at least the first five minutes Maybe not even five minutes is vaguely intriguing. Oh yeah, because there's an an intro. I'd I'd almost forgotten. There's like an intro where he's not in it, and it's like a pastiche of a Bond film. That was promising, but I think that that is like good. And then the rest of the film is so bad that it makes it worse that that happened. It's it's like the hot chick where the first bit of the hot chick before Rob Schneider turns up. You're kind of like, okay, this might go somewhere intriguing, and then it just. Just Adam Sandler's playing the bongos with dreads. I'm listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it just then truly, truly goes to the worst place. Yep. Not the good place. <laughs> not, not the good place. Yeah, so the opening, there's a there's a handsome, a handsome gigolo man who is not Rob Schneider, who is like escaping from a house because the woman he's been sleeping with, his husband is there is coming back and then while he's escaping the maid and then the door guard all say thank you for last night to him and then he gets hit by a train for no reason yeah and it it, it is set up kind of like a bond movie isn't it where um he's doing like this sneaky adventure out of the house and he's exfiltrating yeah after having successfully bedded everybody in this this um this old French chateau. And it's got that like fake pastiche bond music going on in the background that works its its magic. Yeah, yeah. It's it's vaguely acceptable. Um and then and then the guy gets murdered by someone in with blonde hair and sunglasses. Um gets pushed in front of a train. 
And you're like, okay, so this is going to do something slightly different, maybe. And then, no, it doesn't do anything different. No. <laughs> it goes back into Rob Schneider being the laziest actor <laughs> and just fumbling along with a load of bad jokes. And, and, and that's it. Being a character that he thinks that because it somehow got a sequel greenlit because those were the days. Like, this would never happen these days. A film this bad and this critically panned would never get a sequel. But they, it's as if, like, it jumps straight into his character as if you already know it, assuming that everyone has seen the first one. But I guess if you hadn't seen the first one, you wouldn't go and see this, would you? But it still made its money at the box office. Yeah, it's... Um, and I it think is... there was enough time between them. There was about five years between them or something that people might have gone to see it without having seen the first one. And the film didn't care whether you had or not. I think, I mean, Juice Bigelow European Gigolo doesn't say Juice Bigelow 2 anywhere, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, so, But it certainly acts like you are already familiar <laughs> with the character and like he's so <laughs> famous. <laughs> yeah, it, it acts like you're already familiar. Um, I, would note, I would want to know, is how many years after Juice Bigelow Male Gigolo was this? I think it's, I believe it's up six years. Yeah, 2005, Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo was 1999. I mean, those six years have not been kind to Rob Schneider because he looks considerably older <laughs> in this movie. I don't know if you noticed it. When he turns up, he looks like he's been left out in the sun for too long. <laughs> yeah. But in that time, he's done The Animal, he's done The Hot Chick. <laughs> it's true. He has he's done, done 50 those, First Dates. Those movies, and he's been in other stuff. Um, yeah. He's voiced Rinky Dinky Dink in The Electric Piper. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> You've just, just on that got his, No, I've got thing. his filmography open here. That's what it says. That's that's not a real thing. It says The Electric Piper, Rinky Dinky Dink voice. <laughs> and there's no link for The Electric Piper. I'm going to have to type it in. The Electric Piper, 2003 film. Okay, this is some kid's thing from Nickelodeon. Okay. It's got a lot of bright colours and, yeah, horrible animation. It's in that sort of early 2000s style when everything was like the Powerpuff Girls. You know what I mean? Right, okay. Um, yes. well, the whole sure. film is on YouTube if you want to watch it and Rob Schneider voices Rinky Dinky Dink. <laughs> so there you go. I'm quite all right not watching a kid's film from 2000 and something. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so he turns up. My, worth noting as well, Dirty Little Secret. Yes, plays at a, a number of points throughout the film, and I thought this is unfair. I'm, I'm annoyed with the All American Rejects for not vetoing it. It may <laughs> well be that I they, don't did, think you they can. did not have control. That's over not how it, it works. No, but I hope they're disappointed in it. I hope they saw this film and booed it. <laughs> I hope they saw this film there and in thought, the cinema going, we can Ooh. we can no longer watch. <laughs> we can no longer play that song ever again. We can no longer continue with our careers. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true because they all were one of the first bands I ever saw live. Oh, were they? Yeah. So the oh. Reading Festival in two thousand and three, they were they were on the main stage and they were like second band on, I think, after Sugar Cult. It was a good year. Oh, Sugar Cult! It was a bunch of, of like pop punk off the bands. Walls fame. Yeah, exactly. So they were the first band I ever saw live, and then I think the All American Rejects followed them, and then Biffy Clyro, and then some, and then like it's like Good Charlotte, someone like that. And then Metallica were headlining, and System of a Down were before them. It was it was a great day. 
I mean, Reading and Leeds do not have those kind of lineups anymore. We, we've already discussed this offline, but no. <laughs> imagine, imagine if you will, you were someone who bought tickets to Reading and Leeds, Reading or Leeds rather this year, or both. Maybe you bought them to both for some strange reason. <laughs> if you're a tout, <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> one of those um, vile toads. Off the back of um, the incredible opportunity to watch Rage Against the Machine. Then, of course, Zach de la Rocha, or de la Roca, I don't know how you pronounce it. Actually, de la Roca. Um, gets injured and <laughs> no longer can perform. So you think, okay, well, you know, like Metallica's free, or like all of these other, you know, big rock bands from the 90s are free. I'm sure they'll find a suitable alternative. Limp Bizkit definitely machine. free. Limp Bizkit will be free and would go down an absolute hoot with that audience. Um, no, uh, the 1975 Everyone was busy. <laughs> Literally, they they could have picked a Rage Against the Machine covers band and it would have been gone down better with the people who were going to Reading and Leeds this year than their eventual choice. Nicholas Cage um, Against the Machine. <laughs> Nicholas Cage Against the Machine. That's what I'd call my um, tribute band. You'd have to sing like Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like Nicholas Cage in Mandy. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, that would be worth seeing. Whereas uh, the the 70s number band. That is an awful band name, isn't it? So <laughs> awful. I'm, I'm all, whenever I hear it, I'm always tempted to be like, right, I'm going to start a band called the 1974 just out of spite. <laughs> and then I'll start one called the 1976. And then they'd have to be sandwiched <laughs> between us on a bill somewhere. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, they do the song called Girls, which is about girls. Um, yeah, it's one of those songs about girls. As I said, I I think some of their stuff is catchy. I don't hate them, and you know, there's nothing wrong with them necessarily. But like, it's just not the appropriate act for that for that gig. And I think a lot I mean, of people are going to be disappointed. I think they're total shit. Personally, <laughs> <laughs> insipid wannabe indie pop which does nothing new and sounds like everything else. I have zero time for the 1975. And One of the songs in the first album has a good saxophone solo on it. I mean, that just makes me hate them more that they didn't actually include that in any of their singles or do anything good with it. <laughs> how, how dare you trap a good saxophone solo behind a 1975 song? That's almost worse. Release um, the saxophone. <laughs> release the saxophone cut. Have you ever seen Rage Against the Machine? No, I haven't. I've I saw them it. at Reading 2007, 8, whenever it was, after they reformed. Yeah, probably, yeah, top five shows I've ever seen. That's, oh man, I'm really jealous. Back when I, I was young to enough to go live. to festivals. I went to a festival, when was it before lockdown? Maybe the year before lockdown came in. I'd like to go again. Yeah. But mm. the thing is that I, I now solely i'm interested in going to um the great escape which means that i can just stay in a hotel in brighton oh yeah (laughs) for a few days and go and see bands in in venues um which is it is an amazing festival i i will recommend it but also stay the fuck away from my turf anyone who's listening (laughs) don't want you getting tickets because you're just going to make it busier yeah go Um, away don't don't go to any of rob's festivals don't go to i will bite you if i see you in the crowd i will come up and bite you yeah. on the neck he'll be dressed as a vampire just just to make it obvious yeah you. if yeah, you see if you yeah. see a man dressed as a vampire just get out of there and it's also my alibi because if someone's like dude why the fuck did you just bite that person it's like i'm a vampire what, what else to am do? i gonna do not bite somebody yeah 
And then you'll go and see Vampire Weekend, and it'll all, all fall into place. And then I will boo them incessantly for being <laughs> another terrible band name, but also having nothing to do with vampires. I like that. I, th- I like that. I think that's a good band name. Fucking awful band name. Vampire Weekend. What the fuck does that mean? It means a weekend where you're a vampire. What else does it mean? Vampires are for life, not just for Christmas. <laughs> not just for the weekend. If you're a vampire, you dedicate it. And also, anything with vampire involved... So they should have called should... it Vampire Life. It should. They should have been called cuck boys for life, because that's what they are. <laughs> Simpy little cucks. You know, if you if you even imply anything to do with vampires in your music, your music needs to sound like vampires could fuck to it. Yeah. Which is a specific genre of music which I love. If if you can imagine the kind of music and think vampires would fuck to that. That's the kind of music I'm down You have for. a playlist, don't you? I have a playlist which is now over 12 hours yeah. long called Songs That Vampires Fuck To. <laughs> it's my greatest work in life. And you know what's not on there? Vampire, vampire Fucking weekend. weekend. Because no vampire could possibly fuck to Vampire Weekend. It's the least fuckable music for anybody, let alone vampires, the sexiest monsters. <laughs> You're very intense about this. I, I'm serious about vampires, and I'm serious about my hatred for Vampire Weekend. Get out! If you're Vampire Weekend, if you're listening, stop! I don't want Again, your custom. A couple here. of catchy numbers. Nothing wrong with them. They got cut. You hate all like kind of indie rock type music. Indie rock has it peaked with Pixies, which is also in the soundtrack to um, Juice Bigelow. <laughs> European oh, was it? Was, oh, here comes your yeah. man. Yes, it was. Here comes your man. Turns up, and I like to when think... <laughs> when he becomes a man and gets a girlfriend. I like to think that Pixies, when they were writing this song and then performing that amazing music video, where they're really pissed off that the single that's being released is the catchy song off the album. Um, I like to think they were thinking, you know what? In several years' time, this is going to get used in one of the worst movies of all time. Yeah, that's definitely... There's always that risk when you're a band putting a song together, isn't there, that it's going to get used in a terrible film and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. Yeah, you got to separate... It's like separating the art from the artist, isn't it? It's like once you've released a song through a label, you know that at some point someone might use it for something bad. Like if you're if you're a... Um, if you're, if you're, your picture gets used in like stock footage... Uh, stock stock um, um, visuals or stock footage of video or something like that you don't really have control over who's going to use it so you get all those people that like my footage has been used by some christian fundamentalist group in a horrible campaign advert. yeah yeah well you don't really control it after you've submitted it somewhere like that and you need to think the same way about your music as well i think one day rob schneider or someone associated with him might think this is uh, appropriate for their terrible film yeah nobody thinks that juice bigelow's around the corner but he's always lurking there he's always, ready to you pounce. never know when you never know when juice bigelow three geriatric jiggle oh, is gonna, no. gonna drop he's gonna do that when he's bored and out of ideas isn't he he is because he, he was involved in the writing of this film as well oh was yeah. he mm, that's concerning so screenplay uh, by expected. rob schneider david garrett and jason ward now, I want to know who's responsible for the occasional bit of humour in this film. It's certainly not Rob Schneider. Because <laughs> it can't be Rob Schneider, can it? Um, Rob Schneider is definitely responsible for the scene where he's wearing a nappy and his friend is eating chips from a toilet. Yeah. 
that's definitely <laughs> Rob Schneider's writing right there. Yeah, but but I'm laughing at this stuff only in hindsight because at the time you're just going, Jesus Christ, this is horrible. But you can laugh at it in hindsight at how bad it is. Yeah, TJ, we're TJ laughing the pimp, at it, not with TJ it. TJ the pimp gets some chips and drops them in a toilet, and then a cat comes in and bites him on the balls, and then he has to kill the cat. Of course, if it was if it was possible for me to give this film a noogie and call it a nerd that's what i'd be doing we are laughing at i would flush this film's head down the toilet every day at school i would i would lock this movie in its own locker and call it a nerd that's what i'd do um but there are occasional moments which are fun. you know that scene in beethoven um, where the the bullies take the kids milk out and pour it all over his sandwich that's what I do to this. <laughs> that's, film. What, that's what he did. I'd make it eat a pea pizza yeah. from. She's all that. She's all that. I always forget which movie it is. She's all that. Um, there are moments though in this movie that are vaguely funny, and I'm ex- of course talking about the mythos of the gigolo world in this movie. Yes, that I think has some untapped potential. <laughs> genuinely potential there for something really funny because it's almost like they're these philosopher monks the gigolo uh, universe are, yeah where's the gigolo cinematic universe um disney disney should buy up the rights to this film and then make a because under the cherry moon is in that universe surely it's it's true yeah prince, that prince i mean it's not affiliated with film. juice bigelow but he is a gigolo in it yeah. isn't he so um prince gigolo european yeah. gigolo because <laughs> it's prince set in gigolo, france detroit gigolo yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, there are moments there where it's actually genuinely funny when you're learning about all of the mysteries of this gigolo world of these you know these noble um, th- this noble profession that everyone wants to be a part. Of people of. think it's a, it's like a an art. Yeah, exactly. Sacred exactly. art. It's 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 um, they're they're like traveling bards of of yore. Essentially, it's a similar kind of thing. And it sort of feels as um, if they're doing that to try and offset all the sort of sniggering schoolboy humor that the film has around everything else to do with sex but it almost makes that worse doesn't it it's the same as how the the yeah. intro like has promise and then the rest of the film is so disgusting and vulgar that like it just doesn't work and it just makes you annoyed yeah it's 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 truly awful because yeah it, it's still not particularly funny but there's something there that makes you think okay they could have done something funny with this movie but they didn't, and instead they spend all their time on the true dog shit of Rob Schneider. Um, shout out to the line, froze to death 69ing a moose. Yeah. Um, which is how <laughs> one of the pioneers of the gigolo um, industry died after going on an expedition to the <laughs> to the Arctic or something like that. Something like that. And all um, the various like names for sex acts, the like, innuendos, those are sort of vaguely funny, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It it almost reminds me of Anchorman's um treatment of news teams. It's a similar kind of like um guild-esque quality, which I think works really well. And it works far worse here than it does in, in Anchorman, because that's a vastly superior film. Yeah. In <laughs> still every obviously possible not a per- way. still not still obviously not a perfect movie, but considerably better than this. Um, in every way, like you said, um, and um, yeah, it's just it's just awful, awful. And and even though that's the best bit, it still comes nowhere near to salvaging the dog shit, which is this this movie. Um, just for some highlights here of racist comments about Mexican people, about people from 
nondescript Asia, uh, lots of ableist jokes, homophobic yep. slurs used as well. So all I of that stuff was in the first in. film. <laughs> well, I don't know if the slurs were in Gigolo. No. But there was homophobic comedy, of course, because this is a Rob Schneider movie. Yeah, all of that stuff was was taken from the first film and then they thought, how can we do that but make it much worse and much more offensive and sort of up our game in the second film? And then it would, that's kind of really just what this whole film is based around, isn't it? Taking everything that was crass and nasty about the first film and turning the dial up to 11. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. It's... It's just a horrible, nasty piece of shit. That's what this is. Vile, spiteful movie. Yeah. I'm I'm not even being, you know, over the top when I'm saying that. This no. It's just a really spiteful It's incredibly mean spirited. And now what I want to know, what I want to get to, we need to talk about some of the individual elements of mean spiritedness, but what I want to get to is is it more mean spirited than just friends, which I think is our lowest scoring film? Is this it's gonna n- score lower? No, it's not going to score lower than Just Friends, which is a truly cruel film. This this has more moments where it seems to resemble something written by human beings right. than Just Friends. Yeah, but, only but this just. is sort of this is much more sort of inept and schoolboyish and disgusting, isn't it? It's much yeah. more depraved. Yeah, it's it's more depraved. So it depends what offends your individual sensibility more. Right. Yeah, yeah. J- just Friends is just a real. It's still a really nasty film, but it doesn't have a woman with a penis for a nose. No, who is not, <laughs> no, not a member of Slipknot. No, no, exactly. It doesn't have that. But like in it, you could see something like that working well in, for instance, um, Austin Powers. You could imagine one of the henchmen having something like that as their gimmick, and you could see it kind of working there. But here again, it's just making fun of, ha these women have to hire a gigolo to find love. And here's all of the weird things that are wrong with them. Lol. Yeah. Which was tired and awful in the first film and was kind of the worst aspect of it. And in this film, yeah, it just makes it even worse. And when, yeah, one is a woman with a penis for a nose and the next one is a woman who's got like a hole in her throat because she had a laryngectomy. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it does and you're not surprised but it's still offensive and horrible and exactly what you're expecting but still very much shocking and nasty yeah it's still really nasty and and then there's there's all sorts of other minor characters that turn up just briefly and they're all um they're all nasty it's nasty even though it sort of tiptoes like the first film it's not remotely horny is it it kind of tiptoes around sex and doesn't actually show you anything disgusting it's just kind of mostly implied right yeah, there are moments, for instance, the penis-nosed woman does sneeze, which means jizz, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, and jizz is on people's faces when she sneezes. Um, that's a thing that happens, which is which is nasty. But again, it's not sexual in nature because it's not a sexual moment. This movie gets closer to sex because there's women who have their boobs out more in this movie than in the first one. Yeah, it does the boob thing from the first film. where he It does, yeah. He gets a woman to... Um, not drop her boobs in a fish tank which is washing a, a window yeah so it establishes that he's a nasty perv and, and this time he feels guilty but not out of manipulating a woman to show him her breasts but because his dead wife might be looking at it yeah he, that, that's the only reason he feels guilty and also um, because he's a criminal <laughs> like the so the setup <laughs> for this film which it does in about two minutes 
he's on the beach his wife his wife is dead he's got some kind of like dolphin dolphin sonar machine and some 12 year old kids come up to him and like haha you're a man whore which would not happen by the way in 2005 maybe it would i don't know not in malibu i hope but yeah and then like of course there's something immediately massively offensive which is that there's blind people swimming with dolphins and he ruins it and someone gets hurt and then he has to leave the country instead of facing up to the consequence of his actions and the film is just like that's fine that he made something really horrible happen and now he's just running away to amsterdam he's he's a wanted man and (laughs) he never does anything with that He's our main par- character, Paddy, so of course we have to just follow him wherever he goes. It's because he's Juice Bigelow, <laughs> the guy that everyone knows and loves from the first film that is a household name, Juice Bigelow. <laughs> this, this is a precursor to the discourse surrounding There Will Be Blood about whether we should be following a protagonist who's evil. Yeah. That's clearly what they were going for with Juice Bigelow, European gigolo. Yeah, in in many ways, it's the first ever work of literature or art to do that, really, isn't it? <laughs> this is the first one that made you think about, um, you know, whether we should approve of or support the actions of our protagonist in, in any kind of fiction. This is the first thing that did it ever. Nothing else ever did this. No, nothing's ever followed the bad guys. <laughs> it's never happened. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so you get all sorts of horrible... You you get all sorts of horrible humor, but you also get stupid humor. Like, lol, cannabis is funny. Yeah, Amsterdam is funny. The Dutch are funny. All of that stuff, because all that Dutch culture is is drugs and porn. That's exactly all that all that Dutch culture is. When I went to Amsterdam, that's literally all that there was there. There wasn't anything interesting in Amsterdam. I've never been. It was just. It, it's genuinely. Have you have you not been to Amsterdam? No, I've before? never been. It's genuinely. And this is, really and this is three city. years after Goldmember. So, you know. <laughs> Schmuck and a pancake yeah. has already been gone. <laughs> um, Rob Schneider did not have a Schneider and a pancake. <laughs> I, would, I would highly recommend um, going to Amsterdam sometime and just avoiding the, the bits where all of the regular tourists go because it's a really, which you can easily do, yeah. the, the very identifiable places where, where other tourists go. Um, and you can stick to just the bits which are amazing culture. None of you tourists to... go to Rob's Amsterdam or he'll bite you. <laughs> I will he'll also be there bite dressed you. up as a vampire outside the Anne Frank house. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. Just biting anybody you come. To. I'll be looking people up and if they look British, I'll be biting them. Yeah. If anyone asks me why, I'll just be like, oh, it's, it's Brexit. This is now what happens with Brexit. You can't get in. Sorry. Blame the Dutch. Yeah. It was part of the single market. When we were part of the single market, it was all fine. Now it's yeah, gone. And the moment, the moment we left, it was just nope. Sorry, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to do anything cultural in Amsterdam anymore. There used to be, you know, a common market for sucking blood, and now you know the vampires have just got to get it where they can. There's a lot of red tape. <laughs> it's red because of sucking blood. You know, but, uh, the the Dutch government was quite happy for for British people to continue accessing culture and not getting bitten by vampires, but Boris Johnson insisted as part of as part of the agreement that it was removed yep he's a known vampire lover <laughs> he is not a vampire lover no he's if he was going to be a um some kind of creature some kind of monstrous creature some kind of cryptid he would run up as be a, sh- a shit werewolf <laughs> what? that's what he'd be one that just transforms and then lies there yeah, not, just a not rubbish running werewolf. around, just like sniffs at some bins and then falls asleep. <laughs> in the bin, yeah, he falls asleep in the bin. Um, 
Yeah, a bin no, wolf. He, he's the bin wolf. Bin wolf Johnson. Um, <laughs> that's his. That's one of his children's names, isn't he? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, the the film thinks that Amsterdam is funny because that and Amsterdam because that's what Amsterdam is is all of you all of Europe. European gigolo literally goes to one city in Europe and that represents the whole of Europe. I mean, through the the grand order of gigolos, to be fair, there's like caricatures of people from most European nations there somewhere for two seconds, but yeah, Amsterdam as stand-in just for Europe. Yeah, that that's that's literally all all there is. It's that. That's it. It's really disappointing. And the Dutch language is funny, of course. It has to have a bunch of things of Rob Schneider very stupidly trying to read a Dutch sign or whatever. Ha ha. Yeah, I was. I was genuinely hoping for there to be more Euro trip esque nonsense happening in this movie. Yeah, it's stupid. It's not silly. A lot of Euro trip stuff was quite silly, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But um. But yeah, no, it doesn't doesn't go there at all. Like a guy getting mistaken for the Pope because he inadvertently puts on the Pope's clothes. That is funny. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the few moments that that genuinely works really well in, uh, in in that movie. Yeah, but weirdly, there are real Dutch actors in it, which I did yeah. not expect. To be yeah. honest, I expected it to be Americans playing Europeans, and it looked like it was actually filmed in Amsterdam. Yeah, it did. It did definitely look like like Amsterdam, didn't it? Like um, um Jeroen Krabbe, who plays the, the main villain man, he's like a serious actor who's been in stuff. Yeah. Um, and you recognise him and you're like, you're a serious actor. What are you doing in this? Yeah. And um, shout out to Till Schweiger, who is a German actor, um, who is in your favourite director's movie, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, of course. Yeah, um, I'm definitely going to watch that. <laughs> It's if you. Oh, were gonna, I recognise him. If yeah. you were going to watch one Quentin Tarantino movie and enjoy it, I think it would probably be Inglorious Bastards. Actually, yeah, yeah, Nazis get killed. I'm always down with that. Yeah, it's a it, it, it's his best movie. It's his least pretentious, up its own ass movie as well. I'd argue. Um, and yes, he's in that. He's in that as someone who kills Nazis, which is good. Um, but yeah, he's been in. He's been in all sorts over the years, and he's had a really good established career um however it's very disappointing that he turns up in this and it's like mate you could have done so much better you didn't need to play the the handsome german gigolo who actually was sort of promising as a character and then got killed and then got killed instantly fun fact about him by the way he voiced hercules in disney's hercules in the german dub excellent i love that and i love (laughs) him how about that for some trivia for you um yeah it's uh yeah so you you, you're right you've got all of these people that are genuinely like good and you just think oh man you're stuck in a movie where rob schneider is the lead yeah everyone involved in this film should still be ashamed and that includes (laughs) oded fair who we like but they really should even oded fair who turns up for one scene one scene um, which adds <laughs> adds nothing to the movie, but then none of the scenes add anything to the movie, do they? There's no real progression. There's no real structure. It's just one meandering nonsense scene after another. No, it it, it sets up. Okay, he's got to go to Europe because he's a wanted man. Pimp TJ is there. Being he was sort of vaguely funny and likable in the first film. In this one, he's just incredibly annoying. And the one joke every time he's on screen is he's pretending not to be gay. Ha ha, very funny, homophobic joke about him every time he's on screen. Yeah, that's the only, that's literally the only thing about him, actually. You're right. It's really disappointing. Um, 
it's yeah, it's n- nonsense, absolute nonsense. Yeah, and that was in two thousand and five. I mean, that's just unbelievably yeah, stupid and ridiculous. It's yeah. This is. <laughs> it feels much like the other movies of this month that we've watched, particularly the Hot Chick. It's a movie that feels incredibly outdated for its time. <laughs> yeah, it's like are we really making jokes about that in the mid two thousands? Yeah, it's just it's just truly truly awful. Um, I have no idea why this movie exists. Um, one thing that raised an eyebrow did you notice that there was a fuckload of channel four people in this film were there yeah so you had like johnny vaughan oh yes there's um, like the pretend gigolo convention yeah yeah presented yep. by him and alex zane yeah you got johnny vaughan alex zane who i think also was was channel four stuff kelly brook as well turns up in it um it's like, was there some kind of <laughs> some kind of connection between this movie's production and channel four and um, Rachel Stevens from S Club 7. Oh, yes, the... yeah, she's in it as yeah. well, isn't she? Very odd. Um, yeah, was was there some kind of, like, agent connection? Maybe someone's agent who was involved in this movie was also the agent for loads of people on UK TV. Maybe there was, yeah. And they just thought, ah, screw it, we'll just get these people in because they've got, they can pretend to be a TV presenter because that's what they do. They were probably available. It was like, who can we get? We'll get Alex Zane. What's Alex Zane up to these days? Who knows? He was always on MTV2, wasn't he? He had the big hair. Yeah. That's what I remember about him. He had the big hair that then everybody else had. Oh, it says here he does a movie podcast too. Oh, really? Yeah. Clash of the Titles. Oh. Maybe, oh it says here he did it in 2019. So it might not, might be not still going, but... Who knows? Maybe we should ask him to do a crossover. Yes. Yeah. Ask him if he wants to do an episode on Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo, see if he remembers what <laughs> what it was like. I would love I'm sure to hear. He was never in the same room as Rob Schneider. I would love to hear from him about his like one scene. Yeah. That's like probably a morning's work for him. Maybe not even that, like an hour or two. <laughs> yeah, he turned up, just got recorded. Um, and then and then that was it. Yep. So yeah, very very odd to have like recognizable people in this film, which feels like it's so bad it it shouldn't have anyone recognizable in it. And you can tell that some of the people are actually turning in okay performances, like um, your own Crabbe and the Dutch the Dutch woman um, Hannah Verboom, who plays um, Ava, the love his girlfriend, um, who ha- they make a joke out of her having OCD, which is obviously hilarious um, and not like dated and stupid and offensive at all um she like seems to be doing an okay job at the acting and it was all like why did any of you agree to this when it's clearly so awful <laughs> i know i know it's like in the first movie and in the other films that we've watched as part of this horrendous month um wh- <laughs> why did why did these people who were so good think i mean th- there's nothing they could salvage here you know, this is no. an unsalvageable work as hard as they can try to actually put in a good performance. And some of the performances are good and enjoyable. I mean, it's all brought down by Rob Schneider, the charisma vacuum, um, just sucking the life out of this movie. The only way they could have made a salvageable film out of it, surely, would have been to just make it about the grand order of the European gigolos 
and all their kind of like secret society stone cutters like yeah i mean you could thinking about movies that did something similar like eurovision for instance where it had all of the mythos around eurovision um yeah that was that was a really enjoyable film you could have something similar here where it's someone who's desperate to become a gigolo and then they have to navigate the gigolo sphere um and 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 their adventures and their their trials and tribulations along that journey could be an enjoyable funny movie yeah i'd watch that yeah i'd 100 percent watch that give us the rights to juice bigelow well no we don't really need that do we because we don't want him we but could I just think make we, this anyway we, we need we? i think we might get sued if we took the ideas otherwise so give us can you copyright the the concept of an order of gigolos? Well, I, I don't think, think you they, can. we'd probably get in trouble if we had one. If anyone from the making of Juice Bigelow European Gigolo watched it, come at us, Rob Schneider. <laughs> come at us, John Schneider. Come at us, Happy Madison. <laughs> give we're us the do rights it. for two p because that's all it's worth, and then we'll make one. And we'll even, we'll even give Rob Schneider do a cameo where, in the first two minutes of the movie, he gets brutally tortured and murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Someone someone finds out that he's been pretending to be a gigolo without actually doing the job of having sex with women. And then they kill him off for it because it breaks the gigolo code. And then... Yeah, he's doing what he's doing on the film poster, which is sitting in front of the Leaning Tower of Pisa with it pretending to be his penis. Like, he's literally trying to do that, and then the tower crushes him and he dies. And, like, again, that really annoys me because that suggests that this is going to be a raunchier comedy than it is. Yeah, that's a, that's about as raunchy as it gets. The the poster is raunchier than anything that happens in this film. Yeah, it's rated R because it's disgusting, not because of <laughs> R for Rob Schneider. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and also yeah, the Leaning Tower of Pisa is in Italy. Nothing happens in Italy. That's yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's really weird, isn't it? Can it implies not- that he's going to be romping around Europe, and it's all in Amsterdam. Do you reckon there was an early script where um where where Rob Schneider was going to be romping around Europe, but then they realised they didn't have the budget or couldn't actually think of how to make a movie. I think that's exactly what happened, yeah. Because they, they had this idea of like going through a list of Gigolo's clients and there was like an order of European Gigolo's. It was obviously going to be going around each country to find one of those clients to chase after this murderer. And then, <laughs> and then they, got to, they got to start filming in Amsterdam and they were like, I can't be asked to move from here, you know. I can't be bothered with the rest of it. Should we just rewrite it on the fly? Yeah, and we've had like, some rewrite? space cake. Who needs to rewrite? We're comedians. We can improv this and it'll be really funny. Because it certainly feels like that's what they did. And just yeah. went, yeah, it's good enough. You know that meme where it's some guys in the studio and they're like, yeah, that sounds like whatever, drop it. It's like that. Yeah, that's good enough, drop it. <laughs> yeah. One One take, done. <laughs> one take, done. It's like, One take um, of him pretending to be high. Put the put the moody blues on behind it. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's like it's like Calculon in Futurama. It's like I only do one take because of my acting talent. <laughs> That's exactly what happens with Rob. Yeah. Um, this movie sucks, Paddy. Have you got anything else you want to say about it? Um, it's one of the gigolos who said he can actually kiss you with his butthole. That was vul- <laughs> vulgar, but just the right side of the line of vulgar, vulgar funny for me. Yeah, that was again uh, the the bits about the prowess of the different gigolos is and the English funny. one's great great grandmother gave Henry VIII crabs. That's funny. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, it was that. It was that the last last 
piece of information you wanted to share about um fred Armisen is in it as a very oh, offensive french man yep. which uh, the more i see of him the more he cre- keeps popping up in these kind of like really nasty roles he and really just does like, doesn't he? done some good stuff but i'm actually not sure about you anymore because like portlandia is very funny and then he cre- keeps appearing in these films from the past and you're like were you just doing lots of really offensive stuff until you got your own show was that it <laughs> I think it's probably more this is a job that's going to pay me money. Um like um oh what's his name? Played the villain in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. You're a fan of him. David Liz. Cross. David Cross. Yeah. Like David Cross takes those roles to get a bit of cash. Yeah, and he's he has been on record in many interviews said that he does them just for the money and he Yeah, exactly, care. exactly. So, so I, I kind of that, I kind of respect that. I imagine that this is probably, you know, bit of money, bit of networking, keeping your toe in the fetid water that is Happy Madison in case you need it. It's like Robert De Niro and those bread adverts. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's got free free Warburton's toasty <laughs> orange bread for life. Free Brexit bread for life. That's what yeah, he's it is got. Brexit bread. <laughs> Um, I've got one bit of trivia for you. I can't be asked with the rest of it, but did you know that man whore and its variations, such as man whoring, etc., said forty-seven times through the course of this movie? I would have thought it'd be more. Yeah, I know. Maybe there was an original script which was said it every other word. Um, <laughs> so have you got anything else, or shall we rate this piece of shit and get on with our lives? Um, no, I, I don't think I do. Just that, like, yeah, after Heinz Hummer gets killed, he carries around the corpse for a bit, and then I'm like, is this suddenly Weekend at Bernie's? And then I'm like, I wish I was watching Weekend at Bernie's instead of this. <laughs> no, I get, I get that. I get that. Um, how are we going to rate this, then? Oh, God. Um, how many gigolos are getting murdered in Amsterdam when you're investigating the murder. Oh, thankfully my serial killer's not particularly on the ball just yet because it's only three. Yeah, I think three out of 20 is fair. In fact, no, I'm going to go one less two. This movie's shit. (laughs) I'm dropping dropping it one out of spite for having ruined my August partially. Yeah, I'm go I mean, can we can we even give it a two? I mean, two just for the the order of the gigolos, which is a fun concept that isn't used at all, really. Yeah, I, I think that's the <laughs> get a two for using pixies and all American rejects. Yeah, no, all American rejects. Yeah, that's right, the all American rejects. That is that. I'm getting them mixed up with all the other pop punk bands that have American in their name, like American Hi-Fi. Do yeah, you American yeah. Hi-Fi, American Head Charge. <laughs> definitely not a pop punk <laughs> band but the same era same era um i love them by the way yeah they're one of your faves aren't they um but um yeah i'll give it two because there there is that kernel of potential here this isn't as truly awful as just friends um but within the space of about five minutes it also features rob schneider and tj the pimp hiding in like a box in the university and farting lots over and over again and then they burn a man to death in a um, a tanning tanning cubicle thing. So yeah, <laughs> that's that's what this film is like. If you're wondering, which I think is a death that happens in one of the Final Destination. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think, what did Juice Bigelow and Final Destination have in common? 
I th- I think that is that is something that happens. And you're like, this is supposed um, to be a light-hearted, sort of vaguely raunchy sex comedy, and then it shows you a like a, a burnt corpse. It's so weird and like in the worst possible way. It's it's very it's a very odd tonal shift all the time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so much so that you're just like yeah. you're not sure what it's trying to do, apart from just make a load of rubbish gags and make some money for Rob Schneider. But This was a movie that was made just to annoy us. I think, I think so, yeah. In 2005, the they movie. were like, almost 20 years later, there'll be two guys with a film podcast. <laughs> and they're going to hate What's this What's a podcast? Movie? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so that brings our, our Schneid... Schneidloon. board. To an end. Yeah, we can leave the um, restaurant now. Thankfully, I'm not leaving. A do tip. we have a Do we have a theme for September? Or I don't we think we do. I think we should freestyle it because in October it's going to be Halloween month, which is always good. It's fun. Halloween month. Last year we did Swashtember, yeah. but I I don't know if there's maybe enough. we should have a little since since we've had um since we've had such a horrible August with this, maybe we should uh, have a little break and, and go back to basics of just picking a random movie yeah i think so just something that we want to watch something that maybe looks good and that isn't going to torture us and be vulgar and gross and horrible <laughs> you say that i say that but what I have did, you got lined I, up <laughs> well i had a couple of ideas <laughs> for this for this uh for this week and one of them was uh quite grotesque okay um, it doesn't really fit with our podcast, but at the same time, I don't think that really matters. I don't mind a bit of grotesque. Does it? This is the thing. I'm not easily offended either. You know, I that takes a lot to gross me out, but like, I genuinely felt that European Gigolo was very gross and very vulgar and in just the worst way because there was no point to any of it other than here's some vulgar stuff. That's what you think is funny, you hogs. So that's, yeah, uh, it just really offended me from that point of view. Yeah. So, have you found something more grotesque than that? <laughs> I mean, it is it is kind of more grotesque, um, but I'll give you some options. Okay, okay, here. I'll give you some options. Um, we've got something timely for a current trend on television. Okay, we've got Hulk Ghost. Hulk Ghost. Yeah, and we've got um, something that you sent me a screenshot of recently but that you haven't seen something i sent you a screenshot of recently that i haven't seen so they're very cryptic timely hulk ghost screenshot i sent you recently i'm gonna go with hulk ghost because i think i know what that is that is the one that's closest to um that's the one that's closest to the actual theme of this podcast. Yeah. So good choice. Uh, just like heaven. Just like heaven. Oh, that's not what I thought Mark it was. Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo falls in love with a ghost. In I've seen that film before. Yes, have I you? have. Have you seen? I've it? never seen. Okay, it. I won't spoil it. For is you. it any good? I, th- I think I remember it being okay. Yeah, I think my wife and I watched it when it was on TV a few years ago. I can't really remember it, but I think it was decent enough. Is he the Hulk? Uh, Mark I forgot Ruffalo. to offer you. He was he's the Hulk, yeah. See what I thought it was was the time traveller's wife because Eric Banner was the Hulk, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. And yeah, he probably becomes a ghost in that film somehow, I don't know, because time travel. I forgot I meant stuff. to offer I I meant to offer you one other option, which was Ben Affleck getting cucked. 
<laughs> well, I'd always want to see that, but it's too late now. What was um, that? I'll keep. I'll keep. I'll that keep for keep two it. weeks time. Do you want? Do you want to know what the options were? Yeah, I, I'll spend so, my whole time wondering. So the the timely one was Stardust because obviously we've got um, Sandman. Oh on yes, Netflix. right. Um, so a little bit of Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Um, the one that you sent me a screenshot of, but you've never seen, was Grimsby. Oh yes, <laughs> which is the truly grotesque one. <laughs> Um, because there is a scene in that that's genuinely worse than anything in the Juice Really, oh, it's, it's really horrible. I'm glad I didn't use that. Genuinely disgusting, but at least done in a deliberate way. Um, and then, yeah, Deep Water, Ben Affleck getting cucked, which we should watch. At some oh yeah, it is a, a, a thoroughly enjoyable movie. I'm just looking back through our messages to see what I've sent you screenshots of. I think one is Tom Hanks's face saying he's white. <laughs> Which we need to do as soon as we can. Easily Once that's watch on streaming office, services, we're gonna. That's definitely then, happening. Then we should do that. Um, yeah, but no, just like heaven, Mark Ruffalo, Hulk falls in love with a ghost. All right, that sounds good. Actually, I'm. Yeah, that should be a good palate cleanser. Yeah, it's getting back on track, getting back to basics of what Big Boys is all about. Yep. And and not a Rob Schneider to be seen. No, never, never again. Hopefully, at least willingly. If he pops up in a film that we genuinely <laughs> want to watch, then fine. But yeah. We're never choosing anything that deliberately has Rob Schneider. No, awful actor in awful films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, All right. Then. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. If you haven't seen Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo, please don't watch it. Literally, watch literally anything else. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, there is a link in our show notes to give us money. It's like a virtual tip jar if you like what we do. Um, and we'll be back next week to talk about Just Like Heaven. Alrighty, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Not the song by The Cure.